On this week's episode of the Nerd Byword Podcast, Byword favorite guest Stephanie Williams returns to talk Nubia and the Amazons. Plus, ScarJo settles, and Friday the 13th is right around the corner. Welcome into a spooky edition of the Nerd by Word. We were supposed to start Nerd Nightmare this week, but I chickened out. No, I just didn't get a chance to watch the movie yet. But next week, Nerd Nightmare will be here in full effect. So you get one additional nerd commendation. Uh, we may have to bleed into November. Oh, God, bleed. Okay, okay, it's already spooky time. Uh, Dave, <laughs> okay, Dave. But first, let's get the very non-scary part of the show out of the way. It is time for... Nerd News! <sighs> okay, Mr. Voorhees, what's going on? Well, you know, you said non-scary part, but I can't really help myself. Dang it! So, you know, Friday the 13th is a a very long and storied franchise in horror movies centering, for the most part, on the killer Jason Voorhees, a good old-fashioned slasher franchise. However, a legal battle has been going on now for quite a while, Um, and now the legal battle has reached its conclusion with some surprising news. So as it turns out... um, Victor Miller uh, is going to reclaim the rights to the Friday the 13th franchise. Now, Miller is the individual who wrote the original, very first Friday the 13th movie. Uh, Spoilers for a movie from the 1970s. We're talking about the movie where Jason Voorhees was, in fact, not the killer, but it was his mother, Mrs. Voorhees, and Jason was very much dead. Now, the legal battle was waged between Victor Miller himself, the writer, and producer Sean S. Cunningham, who claimed that Miller penned the screenplay on a work-for-hire basis for The Manny Company. And now, the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit has ruled that Miller, in fact, gets to reclaim the rights to the franchise. So on the one hand, this is really, really good news for fans of Friday the 13th. One of the reasons we haven't gotten a new movie in quite some time is because of this legal battle. You know, when ownership rights are in limbo like this, it's almost impossible to get any kind of movie. On the flip side, Miller is um, has some interesting views on the trajectory of the overall franchise. Um, he actually said uh, in an interview back in April... Uh, To be honest, I have not seen any of the sequels, but I have a major problem with all of them because they made Jason the villain. I still believe that the best part of my screenplay was the fact that a mother figure was the serial killer, working from a horribly twisted desire to avenge the senseless death of her son Jason. Jason was dead from the very beginning. He was a victim. So, you know, with Miller now back in the driver's seat, question arises, are we going to get a new Friday the 13th that returns to the whole Jason Voorhees hockey mask uh, killer slasher franchise, or is he going to be looking to reinvent the franchise and go back to something that's a little more in line with his very first movie? One way or another, interesting times, I believe, may be ahead for the Friday the 13th franchise. Chris, what are your thoughts? So that just means I have more scary I have to watch, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I also think that we we may need to add a in court into the nerd news, you know, jingle because um, my nerd news story is a follow up of of a previous one, and, and there's been a lot of creators' rights, uh, a lot of time spent in court in this segment over the past couple of weeks. But yeah, so this is really really interesting, and like I think there's going to be a lot of um, and and hopefully, you know, going forward, there's going to be a lot of more cautious agreements when it comes to freelance work and on a for higher basis. And people, uh, if nothing else comes of this, the people are going to be like, listen, uh, you know, it's it sets a precedent, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I know what my rights are. You're not going to get one over on me. 
So, you know, as a supporter of, you know, independent creators and freelancers, um, you know, that is the the one thing that I'm hoping that will be, uh, you know, a significant result of this. Um, and, you know, seeing the original voice on anything, even if it's a franchise that I have avoided like the plague um, due to my own chicken nature, um, you know, it's it's still cool to see kind of go back to, you know, its roots and the uh, and the original, you know, person and the I, the idea behind it. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm a big fan of creator rights for obvious reasons. And so this is definitely a victory for creators. Uh, just very interested to see how Miller's attitude, attitude towards the larger franchise will color the future of the franchise now that he is firmly back in charge. Now, Chris, let's stay in court for a second. What is what has Disney done this time? Okay, well, I guess we're on our way out with this case, but this is just a follow-up to a previous nerd news uh, story that we reported on. Scarlett Johansson has settled with Disney. Um, you remember from a few weeks ago, she filed a lawsuit claiming that she was, you know, for lack of a better term, cheated out of, you know, profits um, from the theatrical release of the film Black Widow because it was released simultaneously on Disney+. Plus. Um, Immediate details of the amount were not revealed, but uh, writer for Deadline Dominic Patton speculates that sources are telling him it'll total out to about $40 million in a settlement. Um, Johansson released a statement saying, quote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud, proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with them. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come, end quote. So, you know, the initial reaction is like, wait a minute, um, you're not going to be Black Widow anymore. You know, we've passed the moniker and the mantle onto Yelena, but um, it actually looks like she's going to be in a number of projects with Disney at large, not necessarily Marvel, but uh, Disney's Tower of Terror. So um, it got pretty nasty there for a while. There was throwing out accusations of this is, you know, insensitive due to the pandemic from you know disney big wigs it got pretty gross so um no matter you know my personal thoughts on scarlett johansson and you know whatever but uh at, at least it uh it kind of ended amicably and relatively quickly i was waiting for this one to to kind of kind of carry on for several months into maybe a year type thing but uh, uh glad to see that they've settled and and maybe this will be like a slap on the wrist for for Disney and, and similar corporations. Uh, now, on this deadline article, I was surprised to find out that I had no idea. I don't know how I missed this, that that WB actually kind of um, I take that back. Uh, that was the Hollywood Reporter article I read that WB had kind of uh, when they announced that everything was going to be released simultaneously on HBO Max. They kind of front loaded that and, and kind of handed out the cash to the stars of those films. So the likes of Gal Gadot, Patty Jenkins and, 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 and folks like that. So um, different approach. So it'd be interesting to see kind of how we go from here. We're kind of returning to theaters. You have Shang-Chi, you know, with theatrical only release, which I hope we get to talk about next week. Um, and it actually surpassed uh, Black Widow as, as the biggest domestic box office Um kind of booted it out last week so there there were also a lot of factors in the entire black widow situation because it's released simultaneously on uh disney plus that makes it super easy to pirate and you know i think it was over something like 20 million streams uh you know on the internet you know just in that opening weekend so um I, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of precedent this sets going forward when it comes to contractual stuff with, you know, even big Hollywood stars like this. My guess is that based on, you know, what I've been reading in various news stories that basically Disney rolled over here. They realized they didn't have a lake to stand on based on how the contracts were written. And you better believe that their lawyers are working furiously on new contracts that they will be using in the future with talent to avoid this kind of problem outright. It sounds to me like they decided to bite the bullet, take responsibility for what went wrong, go ahead and give Scarlett Johansson a payout, and then for the future, make sure this kind of situation doesn't arise again. I'm sure there'll be some kind of streaming release clause in most of the contracts going forward. Um, you know, so 
considering how nasty this got early on, I'm glad that, you know, they were able to reach a agreement that everybody was happy with and, you know, allowed Scarlett Johansson to even continue working with the Disney company. Yeah, so I'm I'm just glad that, you know, this one is behind us. Although I am very curious to see what kind of changes uh, Disney plans to make to its contracts with talent because of this case. Yeah, it's... I think it was a smart decision on their part. Just, I mean, like, just devoid of all personal sentiment or whatever. I mean, that's that's not the look that you want, you know, like, an, you know, when you leave a job. That's not the exit interview that you want to have in the lasting, you know, relationship. And, you know, I, I had no idea that Tower of Terror was a thing that they you know, had planned things. You don't want to burn that bridge, you know, with someone uh, with the gravitas of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that wraps up our nerd news segment for this week. When we come back from this, our first break, Stephanie Williams makes her triumphant return to talk about Nubia and the Amazons. All right, welcome back to our main segment. Yes, it's time for this week's And we have yet another returning guest. This is like a Redux tour. Stephanie Williams, writer extraordinaire, uh, TikTok superstar, uh, social media maven is here uh, to talk about one of my most anticipated books, your most anticipated books of the year, Nubia and the Amazon. Steph, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you all for having me again. I really appreciate it. Okay. So needless to say, you've been a little busy since we spoke last. Just Just a tad. Uh, you've written for both for both of the big two, uh, but more importantly, you made something very important canon. Uh, Thor eats collard greens, and from the bottom <laughs> of my Asgardian soul-loving heart, I thank you. You are very welcome. <laughs> so we're all nerdy parents here. I'm just curious as to your parenting approach when it comes to passing on the legacy of nerddom. Are you pretty heavy-handed or hands-off? Um, you know, I've surprisingly been hands off because uh, my son has just taken uh, to fandom on his own. Like right now we're back into a Mario um, like situation because it's Mario. Everything sprinkled in with um, some Sonic. Um, we got some Pokemon going on. But I mean, Minecraft as well. Like he can... Like the other day, he explained to me um, everything about Super Mario World 3 uh, because we got the Nintendo Pass for the Switch for him and he's beaten uh, two Mario games so far, actually three. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't even know if I beat anything before. Uh, I think Super Mario 64 might have been the first Mario game I like officially beat, um, but he's been on it. So um, even if I tried, um, he's already taken a fandom, so um, I don't have to do too much work. You were also a member on several panels that were reacting to the Disney Plus MCU uh, shows. Uh, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier really stand out in my mind. We finally get Monica on screen and and Tiana Paris was iconic and was marvelous and wonderful. Um, But they had some truly cringeworthy moments with respect to race relations. Um, And you were very vocal about that. And it was really great to hear you kind of speak up about that. Do you think that's just a clumsy first step? Or should they just go back to the superhero part? Um, I think it's a it's a mixture of things. Um, because they show like the first what seven episodes or so, or maybe what is it six that Monica was like, you know, well she was in seven, but six of them where like she's just an integral part of the story. So with episode nine, that finale, um, one Marvel isn't the best when it comes to the third X. So that's something that we already know, Um, but whatever, it is what it is. Um, But because of the pandemic and everything that that has been affecting from, you know, very major shit to, uh, you know, just the smallest things like uh, paper, uh, it also affected that. So I think, um, I don't know, like, I feel like it was rushed um, and maybe... As I've been learning, um, as you're writing things in long form, sometimes you kind of lose sight of things. So 
it'd been nice if maybe they had uh, some black women in the room and maybe they did. Um, Cause I've also learned that just because we're in the room doesn't mean that we're always going to still be listened to. So um, I'm hoping for the marbles uh, because one of the writers that was in the room for um, WandaVision, um, I don't know, maybe might've seen some of those criticisms and was thinking or has been thinking of that uh, while writing the Marvels. So we'll we'll find out, but I'm very interested to see how it's gonna go between like Monica, Carol and um, Kamala on the uh, on the big screen. I'm actually really looking forward to that, but with some reservation, cause I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I would like not <laughs> to have a repeat of episode nine. Cause if that happens then I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I, I just I just can't get past the fact that she took a bullet for fake babies and she was the only person. <laughs> yeah. She's the only you know, person that was really looking out. I'm here to help you. I mean, it created a wonderful meme. I am an ally, but and then she yeah. yeeted her twice and mm-hmm. she had to take a bullet for fake babies. And you know, and I think that was a thing of I don't know, like somebody probably saw that panel from, um, what is it, Mighty Avengers? Yes. uh, From Al Ewing. And then like, I thought that that was like really great imagery. And it wasn't necessarily at the time, but it was new. And there's a lot going on during that time period when that was written. So it was just, uh, I don't know, like you already have the superhero, this, this black woman here, the superhero, like, there are other things that we can do with that imagery that doesn't have to involve um, this black woman taking, uh, yeah, bullets from law enforcement. Well, not even law enforcement because sword, that's something else, but like that just didn't need to happen. Um, and I wish that it didn't because it's not as cool as, I don't know, they might've thought, because I, I genuinely think that might've been the case. Like, yeah, like same thing with Luke Cage. Like we got this black guy who, um, is bulletproof um, because of everything that is just going on, you know, in the real world and just social issues and all of that. I, I just think sometimes uh, writers can get a little too heavy handed. Like you don't have to always be on the nose. And, and that, in that case, that was just it was too, um, <laughs> too through the body. No, I will say previous nerd commendation, supremely underrated comic book run. Al Ewing's Mighty Avengers. Go read it. Oh, absolutely. Go read it. I love I love anything Al touches, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, Sword, which I need to uh, catch up on. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a little behind on my ex-comics, and I've been trying to hold off um, for many reasons. But yeah, y'all, everybody on the timeline has been making me want to pick it up. Oh, so you didn't, get to Infer- you didn't get to Inferno no, yet? No, I... Oh. Last yeah, so I, I have a I have a, a huge back catalog uh, waiting for me um, once I kind of finish up some stuff. And now you said the magic word, of course, which is the Marvels uh, movie. I'm very excited about in big part because of Kamala Khan, one of my all time favorite characters. I was wondering if you'd heard uh, the rumors about how they may have changed her power set for the MCU live action adaptation, and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I heard that. And I don't know, like, I want to have faith that it'll work. But I mean, that's the fun thing about her power set, right? Because you get to say and biggin. <laughs> and like, who doesn't want to say that? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I mean, the set photos look great. Um, that does make me, I don't know, I don't want to say like, bad vibes or anything like that but i'm just very curious as to what that will be um because that's not the first she won't be the first person who they've um kind of changed the power set just a little bit to fit uh the universe so um i am cautious but optimistic okay okay so i'm i'm no batman but i'm pretty good at detective work was nubia and the amazons the redacted pitch to redacted that was teased on social media a while ago um it actually was not (laughs) <laughs> so okay I, um, yes we have something more <laughs> yeah the, unfortunately i can't even i can't i still can't share it yet um and then some other things have been recently been added i'm both excited and a little scared um of what redactus might come after Nubia and the amazons is out so um all i can say is just like be on the lookout but uh marvel and dc won't be the only uh Big two that I write for. I had been busy. 
doing the background research for Nubia is really disheartening in a lot of ways. I mean, she disappeared for 20 years post-crisis, only to show up for a short spell with an apostrophe. I mean, you know, big revolution there. And a new love interest. Now, L.L. McKinney has done some incredible work with the character very recently. But what was your first experience with Nubia? Oh, um, so I just remember hearing about Nubia a lot uh, from just other like older folks who were into comics when I was growing up, um, but never actually getting a chance to read anything that she was in until like I was in my 20s because for a bunch of reasons. One, it is really hard trying to get a copy of Wonder Woman 204, 205 and 206 because they're like collector's items. So actually, you're not getting a hold of those. <laughs> so when... Um, scans became like, you know, more readily available online. Um, cause like for a, old, a lot of older comics, that's how I would have to read them because we didn't have like Marvel Unlimited wasn't out yet. Comixology wasn't, and neither was DC Infinite. Um, it wasn't until then. And then when I read it, um, like I got it, like I got how Nubia could have such a fan base that she does, even though she has little to no history at all, which I found fascinating. Um, but I don't know, like, I just think of, um, just as, like, Black comic readers, a lot of times um, we make more out of the characters than we actually get on the page for a lot of reasons. I feel like a lot of um, folks from marginalized identities probably do this. Um, so it was no, mis I don't know, like, it wasn't a surprise to me that even though Nubia had little to nothing, uh, people still loved her because, you know, you get that little bit and then you just create what you can and what you think um, this character can be. So in saying that, it has been quite the experience um, to give this character um, a history that she just hasn't had. Um, and then also remix that history a little bit too, to bring it um, more current and uh, something that makes it her own instead of this shared spotlight with Diana. So in a sense, that gives you in some respects, I, I guess like a blank canvas where she doesn't have yes. a whole lot of, uh, you know, back history. Um, but is there a chance that you could give us a brief synopsis, uh, a synopsis of this, this series, Nubia and the Amazons, for readers that are coming in cold, that are new to the character? I guess we could call it a previously on X-Men. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, if you are new to Nubia or just new to the Amazons in general, this actually will be um, a series for you where you don't have to feel like you have to have actually any background knowledge, um, because as well as, you know, giving um, some history to Nubia, um, also breathing life into uh, the mascara and like what it means to be an Amazon and what life is like on there. And, you know, it's supposed to be Paradise Island. Uh, but is it really like, is there ever really a true utopia? Because, um, if you're familiar with anything in pop culture, uh, utopias are usually not necessarily that because there are truths that are, um, either hidden from, uh, everyone or half truths or just outright lies. So I don't know, like, I'm just really excited because I feel like this would be, this series is a great reintroduction um, to Themyscira. And I'm hoping that eventually um, just the Wonder Woman family in itself can be on par with a Bat family or like Superman, Supergirl, because these are, those are all characters that, you know, you individually know, like, you know, when Cass shows up, you know, when Stephanie shows up, Damien, dick all of them um and it would be great if it was the same for um the amazons i hope i don't butcher this pronunciation but you're riding this series series with vita ayala you good job it. dave good <laughs> job you got it i i my my spank my spanglish heart is smiling right now <laughs> uh we're massive fans of their work what does that dynamic look like? Is one person scripting while the other plots, or is it more of a purely collaborative effort? So it's been uh, pretty collaborative on the story end. Um, so originally when we were just trying to just kind of plot out um, issues one through six, uh, we just kind of, you know, say stuff and see what sticks um, and just kind of go from there. But uh, Vita is... <laughs> amazing of course but one hell of a mentor um because like a lot of their feedback was like hey 
I see what you're doing here, but what if you push it this way or can you give me a little bit more? Um, so the scripting I did myself, which was scary, is <laughs> still scary, um, but I'm learning. But um, I want to say that Vita has made that process way less scary than what it could be um, because, again, like their feedback is just so... I don't know, like it's on the nose, it's not somebody telling you what to do or anything like that, but just seeing what it is that you're trying to accomplish and kind of pretty much like guiding you um, in that direction. Because uh, I can tell you from reading the first issue to um, now what I'm currently writing right now is the fourth, like that growth is there. And I know that it would not be there if it wouldn't if it wasn't for Vita. I'm I like I'm a massive fan of what they're doing with New Mutants. I love yes. Children of the Atom. I love um, oh my goodness. I just read Static Season 1. It was my new mm-hmm. commendation for last week. And like that family dynamic that they just have this knack for tackling. And just it's you could see the common thread through everything that they write that like it's just such a beautiful thing that I just go for, you know, when I read any kind of media, that that family aspect. And it's just so beautifully uh, you know, done. So um how did how did y'all get paired up like was that something like a joint venture or was that something that editorial did or or how did they were like hey y'all gonna be working together on this book so this was uh so <laughs> i think it was like in february it might have been the same like a week or two before um marvel voices legacy um dropped and vita had hit me up and was like hey you know, would you be interested in writing some Amazons? So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they mentioned uh, Nubia, but I don't know, like I, it just didn't click. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, sure. I'd, I'd love to like write Nubia or a Nubia story or whatever and didn't think too much of it. And they told me that they gave a copy of Living Heroes to um, the editor, Brittany, at DC. So um from there, like, I think it was the week of uh, Marvel Voices Legacy dropping and um, the editor reached out and we spoke for like almost an hour. The call was not supposed to be that long, but if anybody knows me, you want to talk comics, then I am going to talk your ear off. Uh, and they were just so receptive. They had read uh, some of my work and essays on the Dora Milaje and really loved that and felt like I um, could, you know, bring something to the table for um, just the Amazons in general and giving them some personality because that's another thing we talked about, which is just, it was so weird to me that like (laughs) Diana has been around for a long time. So is the mascara and the Amazons. But if you ask somebody about an Amazon, they're either going to tell you Hippolyta, Philippus, um, Artemis, you might get Antiope and maybe someone else, maybe Amala or Sophia. And that's like a deep cut. So that, like, why is that? So my whole thing was like, I would like to, I don't know, like I would like to show this sisterhood um, and definitely like Diana and Nubia working together because a lot of times when we have these conversations, it's one or the other or one best than the other. And like, I just never really view the mascara that way. I don't view the Dora Milaje that way. So why would I, view the Amazons that way. Um, So with that, um, originally, I thought I was going to be writing. So I actually didn't find out I was writing a series until after the fact. Um, I was asked, did I want to do a story for Wonder Woman, Black and Girl 2? I absolutely did. And I was like, hey, can I, can I, you know, include Nubia in my story? And I was told yes. And Vita was like, hey, so um, like, let's go over Nubia. So my assumption was they were talking about my short story and uh, Wonder Woman Black and Gold 2. So like for an hour, we were just talking about two very different things. And it wasn't until I think I said something and Vita was like, okay, well, yeah, that's cool. But like, you know, what do you want to do with Nubia? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you know, they're having this race or whatever in this short story. And he's like, no, I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, the Nubia series. I'm like, what Nubia series? So <laughs> it just kind of went from there. And that's how I inadvertently found out that I was for real right in the series. Um, and that's nobody's fault except for mine. And a lesson in, I don't know, like to not discount yourself or, you know, think that you aren't ready or deserving of um, whatever the opportunity is. So from there, I was just like, hey, um, 
you know, like, do you mind staying on board to just help with story? Because this is my first time writing a full series. It's very different from a short story or like a one-off page. And my ego isn't that big. Like I just got here. So if I can learn from someone who has been around and has been doing great work, then I will be a fool to pass up on that. And here I go again. Speaking of collaboration, the art from Alitha E. Martinez is absolutely stunning. Yes. What did that process look like behind the scenes? Oh, it was gorgeous. I felt like every single time a page was uploaded, like I would check daily um, to like the, the share folder that we all had. And each time my mind was just blown because um, I don't know, like Alitha's art has always just been stunning. Um, it's one that I, every time I picked up something that she's, um, done the art for the facial expressions, the action, like she just gets it. So to have someone who, um, is not only so like wildly talented and dedicated, but to have someone who like really genuinely loves, um, Nubia and wants to see great things for this character like it's it shows in the art it definitely shows in issue one and what i've seen from um issue two and three um you're like y'all are in for a treat like you can tell that um she's putting her all into this series um the inks done by mark um I believe morales and the colors by emilio lopez it just, it pops. Um, I'm hoping the very first page, there is something that I want it to happen tonally and it does. And I'm very curious if folks will pick up on that. Um, cause it's very, I don't know, like it's very, um, magic girl related. So, uh, I hope y'all pick up on that. I think you will. Cause it's, it's pretty clear. The uh, the backup stories in like I don't even know if it's a backup story. It was like a fifty fifty how they did the future state books, but the yes, um, uh -huh. the Nubia stories that that Aletha did. The one where she says, "I am Wonder Woman." I I got it pulled up right now. I'm just like it took my breath away. Like the <laughs> the hair, the, the yes, curls, like oh, and it oh is magnificent and uh, present in uh, the series as well. Oh my goodness! Um, I can I can. I could talk about that forever, but, um, so you've also, uh, announced some in-person events. Uh, I guess we're getting some kind of return to normalcy, like, please still take precautions y'all oh, don't get crazy in the very near future. So what can you tell about, uh, those events coming up? Yeah. So if you're in the Charlotte area or near on the October 20th, I am doing a book signing at Heroes Aren't Far Hard to Find. Um, that is in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's on Pecan Avenue. Um, so it's like close to uptown or downtown. I'm from Chicago. So like the city is downtown here, down here, it's uptown. Um, so I'm doing that from two to five. And then if you are in or near the Charlotte area in November on the 6th and the 7th, I am um, going to be there uh, tabling. I've never done that before. I, hell, I've never even done a signing before, but I'll be there. Um, I'll have hand sanitizer, all of that. Um, so I'll try to make sure that you are at least as safe as can be when you come visit me. Um, so if you're in the area, please uh, drop on by. I would love to see you. I'll also have copies of um, Living Heroes available if anybody wants to pick that up, too. I noticed you said pecan, though, uh, and, and that would make my dad really happy. Oh, pecan. Oh, yeah. Cause, well, <laughs> not my grandmother. Cause she's like, it's pecan. I'm like, oh, well, whatever. But I wouldn't say that to her face because I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Now, obviously, there's the redacted pitch to redacted that you can talk about. But are there any upcoming projects for you that you can reveal at this time? Well, hmm, what can I say? More comic stuff coming? Um, it might, <laughs> may or may not be kid-related, uh, which is really cool. Um if you follow some of the stuff I tweet about in regards to my son, you might be able to pick up on what that could possibly be. But I'm really looking forward to it because, um, I don't know, like it's just really cool so far that a lot of the opportunities I've gotten have been so diverse. Because, um, like, I don't know, like I, I, I write, so like I would like to kind of play around in different sandboxes and stuff. Um, so it's comic related, may or may not be kid related. Um, the other thing, 
um, maybe romance related, but comics. So um, unfortunately, that's all I can say. And you might see me, I don't know, you might see some TV credits soon. Oh my God. Okay, so I'm going to flip on the manifest mode, okay? So as you may know, I'm also a proud member of the X of Words family. And yes. we're all dying to know, especially our beloved friend, our mutual friend, Hermes, when <laughs> is your X book coming out? We need a slice of life, planet Araco book, maybe. <laughs> um, I listen, I'm trying to get in that X room. Um, I don't know from the TikToks uh, if that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like, I'm really hoping that Nubia and the Amazon kind of blows the doors open for a lot of things, including that. Um, also, Monica Rambo. I still very much would like to write a um, like a mini solo series for her or a full on series, whatever. I do not care. I'll take a one shot. Um, so keep hope alive is all I'll say. Like it's <laughs> like it's it's more close to happening than it say it was maybe a year or two ago. I would not be mad if you were writing my girl White Tiger too. I need some Ava Ayala you know, content. Yeah, you know, the whole White Tiger family actually um it's just really fascinating to me, but I wouldn't mind. Also, um <laughs> Booster Gold, because there's been some <laughs> some older stuff that I've been reading from DC where he's popped up and he is and he's terrible, but also I think I might <laughs> <laughs> I might have an affinity for him because um, he's just one of those he's just one of those guys in the office where you hate when he shows up, but also like when he's not at work, you're kind of like, man, where's my entertainment for the day? That's uh, that's Doctor Nemesis for me. Like when he's <laughs> yeah. in Way of X, he got mushrooms coming out of his head. Like what in the hell is going on right now? But it is his his wit is so biting. <laughs> Stephanie. Thank you so much for your time. Where can we all go to support you and your work? All right. So um, if you're on the socials, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Also check out whystuff.com, which I've been trying to do better about updating the new stuff that I'm doing. Um, and you can also find like links to my coffee account um, and wherever you can find the stuff that I'm doing, the podcast that I'm on, including this one. Uh, so I think, I think that's it, but just be on the lookout because uh, as I've been learning this entire year, like things have gone from like zero to 100 um, quickly, like in a blink of an eye, just this week <laughs> that happened. So just be on the lookout. So also October 19th is the new release date, right? Yes. They it tried is to make us wait. Date. They did. Um, and it's all because of the supply chain uh, shortage, because again, like I said, like the pandemic is affecting everything. Also learned recently that the paper shortage situation has been going on for a while. Did not know that, uh, but now I do. But October 19th for maybe in the Amazon's number one. And I will say that I know a lot of reservations can come like it's a mini series so like is that all this character is going to get and all i'll say is it's not so go out and support um help me give dc a reason to uh continue to do more um because i'm putting some stuff in this uh series that you know i would like to hopefully continue to explore so please if you can support promise you i'm making it worth your 3.99 i believe that's how much it is um you know it's worth the price of admission i mean not to mention all those variant covers the so-so cover oh, yes the sway the sway the sway <laughs> oh and there are more variant covers that are on the way um i actually need to ask pr when i can tweet those out because um it's some it's some heat i'll say that also, if you've got little ones and you're in the Charlotte area, I did some research there on that on that mini con coming November. Kids get in free. I think mm -hmm. eighteen and under. All the kids get in free, and it's only I want to say like ten dollars a person. Yeah, it's adults. a yeah, it's a great convention actually. So the mini con is a smaller version of the Heroes Con they usually have in the summertime, which I go to every year, and it's a really um, artist and writer focused um, convention. Like I know, like San Diego Comic Con, New York Comic Cons. It's some of everything, but 
at this one, it's a little bit more intimate and you really get a chance to actually, you know, talk to some of your creative phase because um, that's their central focus. Steph, thank you so much for your time today. Like it's been so good catching up and now I'm just all the more impatient for this book to come out. So thank you again. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank y'all both for um, having me back because I really appreciate it. And I'd love to come back um, maybe, I don't know, after two or three issues have been out. So we have some stuff to talk about. Absolutely. And also, also when you get to read Inferno, well, Dave will just have to humor oh, yeah. us. I still, he's, he's so overwhelmed by, by hawks pox. Like he can't get past hawks pox. Like it's the data I mean, pages. That's under- it's understandable. Let's, let's, I, I get it. It's those data pages. So mm-hmm. it's Hickman, but you know, I, I get it, Dave. Don't feel bad. I actually still go back and reread it um, when I could be reading the, the current stuff that's out now, but um, it's a lot to digest. Here's here's what I do, Dave. Somebody said this on X of Words did an incredible tr- uh, Twitter space yesterday. And here's what uh, they said, and it's perfect for me. I wait, I read it, and then I wait for somebody smarter than me to talk about it. So then I can understand. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) So fair. All right, Steph, thank you so much. All right, thank y'all. Special thanks again to Stephanie Williams, who's just always a joy to talk to. So look forward to having her come right back on in, in, in the very new future. Uh, and catch up with this series. Very exciting to kind of see her career kind of take flight, uh, you know, right before our eyes. And and, and all the best to her and, and her future writing creative endeavors. Um, but when we come back from this, our final break, it's nerd commendation time. I promise I'll watch The Exorcist and Nerd Nightmare will be here next week. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, we're here for the final segment. It is... Now, I know next week we're going to go back to Nerd Nightmare. It's spooky time. I chickened out this week. But next week, The Exorcist arrives. So if you want to play along in this sick and twisted game against me, this conspiracy, go ahead and watch The Exorcist. Uh, uh, and and that's your homework for this week. That's terrible homework and and yuck. Uh, but anyways, nerd commendations this week, Dave. Um, you have got one that has really caught my eye and and, and really surprised me. The trailer, um, and then the quick release afterwards. Yeah, apparently this movie had actually been delayed for quite a while due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, and finally was released. And lo and behold. Uh, I like this one a lot. I'm talking about Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer, and Joe Keery. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I think this might be my all-time favorite video game movie. Um, which is saying something, because video game adaptations in particular are you know, legendarily bad. Although this is not really so much an adaptation as it is something that kind of plays with the idea of video games. So you have a guy a bank teller played by uh, Ryan Reynolds, who is um, who realizes that he's actually an NPC inside of an open-world video game and decides to sort of take charge of his life and, uh, you know, do things his own way. Uh, falls in love with a, an actual human being who's playing the game and decides that he's going to level up and take charge of his existence. And the movie is really funny. It is clever. It does a lot of very interesting things with the video gaming world. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. It goes in some very unexpected directions. Uh, It has a significant amount of heart. Uh, You know, it looks sort of from the trailer like this little throwaway ha-ha-ha movie. And instead, it ends up being something with a little heft. Um, has a little bit something to say about you know intelligence, existence, you know being a, a a fully formed being and what that takes. And so overall, I have to say uh, this this one is a total win in my book. I, I definitely think people need to go and watch Free Guy. Dude, I just got an idea for an episode because it, it's like the running joke that video game movies are bad. Like maybe we have an episode where we pick three that are like are the best of the worst. Ooh, I like it. 
So, and like kind of theorize like why, now I'm going down a rabbit hole, why are video game movies so bad? So, um, okay, so that's big brain thinking for later, but I, I'm definitely excited to see this one. I um, I mean, open world, uh, I, you know, those are magic words to, you know, to me. Um, Ryan Reynolds is always, uh, you know, a draw for me. Um, the Proposal is one of my all-time favorite comedies. Deadpool is so spot on. It's part of the reason why Green Lantern was so disheartening to me. You know, um, seeing him in that leading role uh, and then for it to just be a fart cloud like it was, um, pun fully intended, uh, it was so disappointing. But I, I'm super excited to see this one. And, and I, you know, I need like a pick me up, feel good, laugh out loud movie. Uh, this this is the one. I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, even my wife, who's not the biggest gamer, uh, found a lot of humor in this one as well. Now, Chris, when I saw Nerd Commendations and I thought to myself, what is Chris going to recommend? Is it going to be X-Men or Spider-Man this week? Which one did you uh, decide to on, on this week? <laughs> well, um, I almost went with Inferno, which is just a given. Just go read Inferno. But you, you know, there's quite a bit of of prerequisite reading for that but just go read inferno uh but we'll go with spider-man this time around uh so spider-man life story we talked about this a couple weeks ago with uh our our good pal spider friend webhead frank martin he referenced the annual that came out now i have not read the annual but the the six issue limited series of spider-man life story i cannot recommend it highly enough you know one of the silly things um, you know, DC has this 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 reboot every once in a while, the New 52 into Rebirth, and they kind of reset the scales and, and stuff like that all the time. Well, Marvel has the sliding time scale, so time is relative in the Marvel universe. And um, this story really kind of turns that on its head. So the, the idea behind Spider-Man Life Story is Peter Parker gets bitten in 1962, like he, you know, did to begin with. And then in real time, 57 years have passed. But, you know, in the Marvel sliding time scale, he's, you know, very slowly aged, you know, you know, and right now you'd probably guess that Peter is late 20s, early 30s. I, I think uh, into the Spider-Verse, you know, when he when that Peter Parker dies, he's a 26 year old grad student. So right up in that 20, 26 to 34 age group, that demographic. Um but this is really like, no, like it's been 57 years. So what would it be like if every decade he's at a different stage in his life? So, um, you know, and it's really a hallmark. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, the series is written by one of my faves, Chip Zdarsky, who has a truly supremely underrated spectacular Spider-Man run. Sometimes you're really missing the gems with the B books, not the main titles uh, illustrated by, the goat, the best Spider-Man illustrator, Mark Bagley. I know that's magic words to you, Dave. Um, so it goes through and every issue is a separate um, decade. So the first issue is in the sixties and it really kind of harkens back to that, you know, uh, Lee Ditko era, the Lee Ramita stuff, the, the references to Vietnam um, and it stays Vietnam. Flash goes to Vietnam. It's not, you know, retconned to Afghanistan or anything like it was in the aughts um and then you go into the 70s and you have the clone saga the original clone saga and then you know into the 80s you know and then in the 90s and then the 2000s 2010s so it's really just this interesting play on words and it's like um also another beautiful passing of the torch to my guy my main man miles morales he shows up in the later issues you know peter and mj get married they have a family they have kids um, so it's just a really interesting um, perspective of like, what if there was no sliding time scale and you didn't have to worry about all the the twists and turns of, of keeping with that continuity. And, you know, he aged like he normally would. And so it's just a really fascinating thing for like an old man Pete to, you know, to put on the suit again and, and uh, you know, to do all the things that Spider-Man does. So. I highly recommend it. You can find it on Marvel Unlimited. You can find those six issues in a trade paperback. Um, and I'm definitely going to be checking out that annual that came out a couple of weeks ago as well. 
Yeah, this sounds absolutely fantastic. You already said the magic words, of course, which are Mark Bagley. I'm a huge Bagley fan. His work on Ultimate Spider-Man in particular gets me every time. It is such a beautiful book, and it's so spot on, and it's so visually defining to me in a lot of ways for like a modern Spidey. So uh, seeing him work on Spider-Man anytime is a good time, uh, no matter what the setting is. Even if the story isn't great, the art is going to be fantastic. And then, of course, you know, Sudarsky is a very able writer. I've only uh, read a couple of things he's written, but I'm very, very excited for this book. This sounds right up my alley, sort of a almost like a Superman for all seasons situation, you know, going through different stages in life in some way. I'm very, very excited for this one, Chris. Well, I see, I, and I've got the uh, the Amazon page pulled up right now, and in a uh, thousand fifty seven ratings, it's five stars. So uh, highly recommended. It's really popular amongst you know a lot of uh, uh, Spider Man fans. So I, I definitely wholeheartedly second that, and uh, it's my nerd commendation for this week. Absolutely, gonna pick this one up. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Nerd By Word podcast. Another special special thanks. Uh, to Stephanie Williams, be sure to head out August. That was trash. Sorry. <laughs> Not August. We're past August. All right. That wraps up another episode of the Nerd by Word podcast. Another special, special thanks to Stephanie Williams for taking the time to join us today. Be sure to head to your local comic book shop or your favorite online shop and pre-order or order Newbie in the Amazons that is coming to you October the 19th, um, this six-issue series uh, that I'm very, very excited for. Uh, And if you like what you hear, give us that five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Podcast, or the fancy-schmancy nerdbyword.com. And as always, please hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can find us at... uh, nerd by word or individually at that nerd dave and at that nerd chris we'd love to hear from you get your take on the pod maybe uh, some ideas of what you'd like us to do in the future we're always always eager to talk to our listeners and as always be sure to check out our sibling pod x of words for more of our merry mutant madness dave we got to get you caught up because we got to get you on that pod too I, I, I think that I'll probably blow my mind. <laughs> All right. And as always, stay well and stay nerdy, friends. The Nerd Byword is written and produced by Chris and Dave, two nerds with a love of all things pop culture. The podcast features music by Al Jimenez with additional drops composed by Joe Biondi. Our show art is by Ashery Design. Find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available. Mm-hmm.